0: Um, but that is it. Am I doing something wrong? Nope. Not the chair thing. The microphone thing. Thank you, though. And, oh, okay. Um. Man, this is great. This is a very comfy chair too. See, y'all think I do slides because like it's my job or whatever. Really, that's the comfy chair. <laughs> Um, yes. Okay. I'm Reagan. I um, don't remember the last time I preached, but it was sometimes. But yeah, if you don't know me, I'd love to meet you. But yeah, I'm here. It's okay. um, I didn't leave all that room. Um, I'm here. We're in the middle of our sermon series in Luke. Um, so we are writing kind of our own weird, as someone described earlier, weird stories. Um, um, of just like kind of our parable versions of some of the stories we find in Luke. Um, Yeah, so mine is kind of fairytale-esque, so we'll see how that goes. Um, Yeah, you can put my first slide up. Also, I feel, I don't know if y'all know Miss Rachel. She's on TikTok, but she's like a kid's show. And with the overalls and the theme I chose for my slides, I feel very Miss Rachel-esque, so it's fun. Um, yeah, okay. So here's my story. So once upon a time, there was a land called Treasure, Treasure Valley that rewarded people with peas, so What would happen is when you would help someone or plant something good for the land or consistently obey the, like, law of the land, um, the land would appreciate your efforts and leave a key nearby for you to find. So everyone wants these keys for different reasons. Some are more motivated than others. Some think they are pretty. Some want what others have. Um, Some have, like, a cabinet or a chest of drawers that they maybe lost the key to and haven't been able to get to in a long time, and they're hoping that they'll find a key that will fit and unlock this, this thing in their house or whatever. But there's this man, Rocky. Huh? Rocky? <laughs> <laughs> that was a <shameless> idea. Um, <laughs> but Rocky has a secret door in the forest behind his house that has always been locked. He found it when he was really young, and since then, has been on a quest to find the right key to unlock it. He feels like this door is so special. So he's never told anyone about it. um, And he just gets the impression that whatever is through this door is so important and worth getting to. So he is, like, extra motivated to go get those keys. So he does good things, and the land gives him keys and rewards. As as a reward, he helps his elderly neighbor cross the street safely. And on his way home, he finds a small silver key with like a little hook on it that looks like a walking cane. Um, the land is very creative. Um, yeah, so he's like, okay, is this the one? Because he hasn't gotten this one yet. So he runs over to the door, um, making sure no one follows him. He runs over and puts it in, and it doesn't it doesn't quite fit, but. You know he's not really surprised this has happened a lot he's done this for a while so he's a little disappointed but it's okay he heads back towards town so time goes on and um you know since rocky first started finding um or when, when he first found the door and then started looking for keys he's never stayed out past curfew the land has this specific curfew um, that people try to generally respect that he never goes out past curfew. And so every year he receives a key as a reward. It has a little clock, like just the hands on it, you know? Um, And yeah, and so these keys are all different every year, but they never fit the door. So he's usually a little less excited about those. Um, He maybe waits until he has a couple of other keys and then he runs to the door and checks it out and sees if, if that key will fit and it hasn't so far. Um, and then every spring, Rocky plants a huge garden of fruit and vegetables um, and invites so many people to come and take from this harvest. He usually gets around eight keys just from this garden alone because um, he's helping so many people and he's like making the land fruitful and cultivating it. <coughs> um, but again, so far these keys haven't worked for his door. So, you know, after five or so years, Rocky has this giant collection of keys, some beautiful, some rusty, some large, some small, some gold, some plastic. He enjoys looking at them and polishing them, and he puts them on display for his friends because he has the biggest collection of anyone. They praise him for all the good he must have done. Um, his friends do, and so he smiles brightly. But on the inside, there's kind of that dark panic. What if he never finds the right key for his door? So um, Rocky does notice that as he does these things, um, he enjoys just the things that he gets to do. He's not solely working for the key. You know, he he does get to make good friendships with his neighbors, and he feeds people who run short on food, and. Um, he has habits that help him live well and work well in this land in treasure Valley. He enjoys these things in his life, but he still desperately wants to find the right key. So the years go on and the panic kind of fades. He's not as worried, he's not as rushed. He enjoys the comforts of his life and the peace he lives in. He starts focusing on all the cool keys he can gather. I tried to find all the different symbols or whatever, like Pokemon, you know. Um, He visits the door less and less, testing keys after he's gathered maybe 10 or 20. The goal becomes gathering the keys, not really opening the door. He still wants that, but that's not really what he's focused on. And he almost, almost forgets why he wants the key in the first place. So one day... Um, As Rocky is doing his daily chores of sweeping the sidewalks and helping people carry their goods to market, he starts hearing a buzz in the crowd. Something's different today. He makes his way to some friends and asks what's going on. Sorry, I just, I hate naming things, and so I just made it fun. So Rocky's friend Rodney (laughs) explains, a man is handing out keys, but people are saying these keys are different. What's different about them? Rocky asked. I haven't seen them yet, but I've heard they glow something fierce. Do you think they could unlock something special? Rocky replied. As Rocky pondered that, he thought more about his door in the woods. He hadn't visited in a few months, instead using his downtime to polish all the keys he had. He felt guilty. He tried to get a glimpse of the man with the keys, but there were too many people. Instead, he stuck to the outskirts of of the crowd. As people walked away with keys in hand, he stopped a few and asked them what was so special about them. They all replied similarly, don't know exactly, but I suddenly feel very hopeful this is the one key I'll ever need. A few others walked away sad. Rocky asked them why, and they replied, he asked us to give him all of our found keys, and that's just too much. Rocky was shocked by this. One key in exchange for so many? That sounded like a scam. Like, who is this guy? (laughs) He thought about just leaving after that, but something kept pulling him back to the man with the keys. So eventually, the crowd thinned, and Rocky could see the man as he spoke with people. There was nothing remarkable about him except for the giant key ring on his belt. The keys were different shapes and sizes, but still they seemed like none of them would really fit in Rocky's collection. One of these keys would somehow outshine all of his. Which was very upsetting to Rocky. (laughs) Like how did this guy find these keys that are so nice and Rocky had worked his whole life to find all the pretty keys? How could he have gotten better keys than Rocky? Suddenly the man looked over at him. Rocky froze. Did he say that out loud? And the man walked toward him and said, I can give you the only key you'll ever need. It will even unlock the door in the woods, which will lead you to the most beautiful land. But you must leave your old keys behind. Rocky was still frozen. How did this man know about the door in in the woods? How could he ask Rocky to give up all of his keys? Was Rocky willing to do that? So real quick, talk to your neighbor. That's the end of the story. So do you think Rocky made the trade? I don't want to yell on the mic, but what do y'all think? you think he took the trade? No. Okay. Do you, does it, who thinks he took the trade? Anybody? Okay. Who thinks he didn't take the trade? Cool. Um, I don't know. I didn't write the end. <laughs> But it's because scripture doesn't tell us either. Okay, so now we're going to read the story that this, um, the scripture that inspires this story. Um, if you go to the next slide, it has it. There's two slides with it, but yeah. So we're going to read Luke 18, 18 through 30. Okay. So a certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we have to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Okay. So the rich man in both the stories um, wanted to cling to something as a sign that he was doing well. So although Rocky was initially motivated to unlock the mysterious door, he came to see his keys, sorry, he came to see his keys as a symbol that he did good things and contributed to the land and the people around him. He wanted to know that people appreciated him. And the rich ruler in the Scripture used his claim that he had followed the law his whole life as a status symbol. I should be okay since I've done these things, right? Right, Jesus? But both were missing something. Rocky, with all of his helpful deeds, was still unable to unlock that door. And the ruler hid behind his wealth, ultimately keeping him from a life fully devoted to God. At least until they talked to Jesus, because we don't know if he ended up following Jesus or not. So, we all do this to some extent, right? We cling to symbols of our goodness, our worthiness, that we shouldn't be punished or anything like that. We collect praise and accolades. We try to find proof that we're a good person or worth something, or not just the worst. We listen to the world when it blindly says that we're good or worthy, even if it doesn't ring true to us, you know, because we know the things that we've done. So the world will tell us, yes, you're worthy, you're good. And we're like, but am I? Yeah, okay, I'll believe that, but am I, you know? There's nothing, there's something missing there. There's not substance to that. Because we just don't measure up sometimes. We try to create some level of certainty. We say, I'm a nice person, or um, I didn't steal at the self-checkout, or I never hurt anyone. Or maybe you're someone who's really aware of when you've done something wrong. And you might be someone who kind of holds that over your head. Um, you beat yourself up and you live in a prison, prison of shame. Um, but often, those people too still try to pretend that they're good. Um, They try to prove themselves or make up for something. And I think to some extent we're on both ends of that at different times. So, if you find yourself living in this shame or in this pride, um, I have good news for you. The gospel is for you. So we're afraid to face reality, um, and we're afraid to see that we're not good on our own. We don't, wanna, we don't really want to live in that reality. That seems pretty scary um, because we can't do it on our own. You know, we're missing something. But the gospel is that God is good and makes a way for us to experience and live in his goodness instead. Jesus says in this passage, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So when I have read this story in the past, I always kind of struggled with that. It felt like out of place. I felt like, why is, I mean, Jesus always kind of answers in confusing ways, but like, why is he saying that? This man just wants to know how to have eternal life. Um, and, and I, yeah, I don't think Jesus is saying here that he's not good or not God, right? Like, that's not really the point of what Jesus is saying. Um, but I think this passage is central to the, to the ruler's understanding of what it means to really follow God and have eternal life he's pulling at this idea of goodness and he sees a man who's struggling to um, make it on his own to kind of live up by being law abiding or having the comforts of the world um, and so he says like no one is good. Like, no one measures up, including me, including you. Again, I think Jesus is good, but that's not his point mm-hmm. right here. Um, so I think the question becomes, how do we measure goodness? Jesus' claim is um, is that God is our measure of what is good, because only God is good. I think I have a How do we measure God's goodness? Or how do we measure goodness? So what if we took scripture at its word when it said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, in Romans three? What if we really knew how sinful we were and how much God saves us from? What if that was something we faced more often? What if we were more acutely aware of our need for God to transform us and make us new? We can't do anything truly good without God. We can pretend, we can try, but it doesn't last long. We need the Lord. Um, and instead of trying to create our uncertainty, there's another way. We can trust that the Lord is good and gracious to us. We can rest in his promises and steadfastness to us because only God is good. Um, yeah, so kind of the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I think there's this pitfall that is so easy to fall into, especially as you've, you know, started following God and you've been following God for a while. You start experiencing some of the transformation that God brings, right? Like, that's a process um, of being made new. And, you know, you experience life change. You have good things in your life, you know. Like some of y'all share, you know, you kind of um, the your priorities shift, and that leads to good things. So becoming a new creation in Christ and renewing our minds does lead to good things, and that's a good thing. (laughs) Um, Like that should happen. But as we see that fruit in our lives and as we start to take some responsibility for that and work through some of those things, we can start to think that we're solely responsible for, for that transforming. We think that it's our job to do that work without God. Um, so because we participate in that process, which we should, again, it is, there is stuff that we do, um, especially surrender to God, but there is stuff on our end that we can do to help, us, um, help the Lord like, transform us. We start to think, though, that we're doing all the work because it's what we can see, right? Feels pretty practical. Maybe that's just me. I'm just practical. Um, But like Rodney, Rodney, no, like Rocky, I put the wrong name there. I confused myself. Like Rocky, we forget what started all this and we forget our calling to pursue relationship with God first. Um, And this can lead to all sorts of sin, like you'd expect, and shame. There's pride and self-righteousness, and there's this fear of letting someone see us mess up because we should be good Christians, you know? And if we mess up, like, oh, that's, you know, that's the deal. It can lead to invulnerability as we're afraid to share our mess with people because we should have it together. Somehow we got that idea in our head. And so sometimes we pretend. Um, We're uncomfortable with the idea that we still fall short much of the time. And we just forget that we're not good on our own. This is true. um, This is just true always for all people. We're not good on our own um, because we live in a broken world. Um, We are always going to have the effects of that around us. Um, But the gospel says we don't have to be good on our own because Jesus fills in the gap, right? Right? Um, Ronnie Worsham who's a pastor at Northeast Garland one of the churches um, he always says I'm not here because I'm good I'm here because God is good I think that should be our mantra right Like, we're not here because we're good it's not about us being good it's about God being good we experience grace and transformation because God is good we experience freedom in this no condemnation life because God is good not because we deserve it on our own. And then, we get to do things that reflect God's character. We get to do good things, but it's because we understand who God is. We understand some of his goodness. Um, yeah, but in order to reflect that goodness out and to live it, we have to kind of relearn what goodness is, what is God's goodness, because we have a lot of ideas of that, and if we don't surrender and submit those ideas to God, we get it wrong sometimes so um, God shows us his goodness, um, then we get to reflect that to other people but we can't skip the first step, we can't just pretend like we know God's goodness You know, we have to wrestle with that and again, that's a process too um, and that's something that we get to let God lead us in as he sees fit. Um, but we don't get to try to be good on our own. Um, okay, so I have a reflection question. Next. Yes. Um, so what do you use to measure yourself or others? Here you might think about like what kinds of things you tend to be critical of in yourself and others. And what fruit does that produce in your life and relationships? Are those things a reflection of God's goodness? So I'm gonna give y'all just a few minutes to, or not even a few minutes, you know, some time. Just to clarify, um, I'm not trying to like give it, say an answer or give an answer on like the question of like, are we born good or bad or whatever? Like that's not my point. My point is that on our own, we know that now. With where we're at, we don't measure up to God's character. And so we need God to fill in that gap. Um, Always. Um, So it's not about us being good, it's about God being good. So, how do we do this? How do we learn to use God's measure and not our own? How do we learn to let God define what is good in terms of our lives? Jesus says to the rich man, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And, you know, I could talk about, like, how rich we are living in America and all of the, you know, all of those things. But I just kind of want to key in on, I think part of what Jesus is saying is having riches is about having comfort. Like, we cling to comfort in this world. Um, we get comfortable with our th- with our way of doing things um, both just as humans but also as Christians um, and it's hard to surrender that to God and to reevaluate some of that stuff it could be money it could be routine, it could be friendships it could be something completely different I don't know um, we often experience some kind of wealth some kind of comfort in that way so Jesus saying this to the man like a camel going through the eye of a needle. Like, again, we kind of hear that at different times, you know? Like, that's, looked like, a phrase in the church sometimes. But, like, a camel going through the eye of a needle, okay? Like, that's how impossible it is. So this seems hopeless, right? But Jesus answers this. He actually answers his own, like, problem, right? Um, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Somehow, God can make that work. We can't easily give up the comforts we experience on our own. Um, we have to rely on God for guidance and strength. Often, comforts and wealth are not bad on their own. Um, so it's not necessary to take this extreme and like get rid of everything comfortable in your life. Don't worry about that. But Jesus knew the one thing this man, man needed to give up. He knew that the one thing that was his biggest comfort and his biggest hindrance to God was his wealth. And he can do that for us, too. He can tell us the one thing, or the five things, but, you know, the one thing that is really getting in the way of us fully following God and responding to him. And that's hard, right? Because, again, we have all of these comforts. How do we know which one to pick? That's why we need Jesus. We need that relationship with Jesus to tell us what is the thing. Um, We can't decide what's good and bad for us on our own. We need the Lord to tell us. That applies to a lot of things also. Because sometimes for one person, something is good for them. For another person, it's just we need the Lord's wisdom in that. Yeah, um, so I want to share, some of y'all have probably heard this story, so I'm sorry if you have, but I wanted to share a time when I felt like I really like, had to relearn or just learn for the first time what goodness in God's eyes was, um, what was good for me. Um, for me, this was sophomore year, <coughs> spring semester, so this was back in 2016. Um, that was probably my hardest season in college. Um, my first ever boyfriend and I broke up. Um, my roommate that I had been really close to, like, she was probably my best friend that year. She kind of stopped talking to me. Um, I, it was a result of my own sin, but I didn't know that yet. I just, she stopped talking to me and I didn't understand why. Um, it was also a result of her sin, but it was my fault. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was also taking four really hard classes. I was a STEM major, if you didn't know. And there was this other online class that I kept forgetting about, so that was stressful. <laughs> Just like, school sucked, home sucked, all the things sucked. This was my first year away from home, and everything, everything felt like it was falling apart. Um, and I didn't anticipate needing to get those things up, you know, um, especially those relationships. So, kind of in desperation, <laughs> I started becoming way more invested in my core, and there was this study group that um, would meet in Willis Library and, um, of like focused people, so I made friends there. I just like didn't want to be alone in my dorm, because my roommate was never home. And so I, um, yeah, started getting really involved there. I started going to the North Church, where some, some of y'all go. Um, yeah, because that's where a lot of my friends were, a lot of my core was, and I wanted to be surrounded by people who would remind me of God's goodness. And I wouldn't say in the season that I, like, specifically questioned why those hard things happened. I don't think I was introspective enough at the time, <laughs> um, which is a whole other story. But, um, but yeah, I was... I was just kind of confused, like these things that I thought were good were no longer there, and what was I supposed to do, like what was the next step? Um, Yeah, so as I was waiting to see what God was doing, I learned he was working things out on a deeper level than I could see. Um, I experienced his goodness as I learned about myself and how I process hard things. I hadn't had a ton of hard things as an adult yet, and so that was a new experience. I experienced his goodness as I developed friendships on a new level of closeness and support. Um, Yeah, I can look back and see how God changed me in that season, but I couldn't pinpoint it at the time. So if you're in a season where things are hard, you may not know what God's doing for a while, you know? That's okay. Um, I learned more about really caring for other people. This is what I kind of described God turning my heart towards people um, and toward, eventually towards ministry. But he started that I wouldn't say he started that. He really took a big step there with me in that season. Um, yeah, I learned how to worship and read scripture differently. Um I experienced the closeness to God's spirit that reshaped my thoughts and emotions on a day-to-day basis as I let him be my filter. And yeah, most importantly in this season, I learned more of my own sinfulness. I saw how I could affect people, and it wasn't always in positive ways. And those things were good for me to learn, but they weren't easy, you know? So experiencing God's goodness is not about having things going well or getting everything you ever wanted. It's about letting the God of the universe take care of you, look out for you, and lead you to things that are truly beneficial, not just what we think is beneficial. He won't always take hard things away, but he will be so close to you if you let him, Um, And he can't help but make things good when he's around. So what do we do? to help this stuff? What do we do to kind of relearn how to measure God's goodness? Oh, I missed the slide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nevermind. I didn't think this is all the time. Okay, I don't know what it is. Um, I probably forgot. I forget a lot of things now. Um, okay, so what do we do on our end of this relationship, right? So the thing is we invest in that relationship with God. We keep actively, these are kind of your practicals, although they may not sound very practical, sorry. Um, we keep actively inviting God to change us and to help us surrender whatever gets in our way. We pursue him in prayer and scripture and worship and community. Um I think a lot of that ends up becoming we have to learn to filter our thoughts and emotions and experiences through the Lord. Um, It's asking him, like, are these emotions good? Like, yes, they're here and they're real, but does this reflect your heart? Does this reflect your character? Um, Do my thoughts honor you? And asking that consistently, you know, not just once a month, but, like, every day. Um, Like, oh, I had that thought, Lord. Like, was that was that honest to you? I don't think so. I need to repent, you know. Or I need help. I need to voice that. I need to. um, Yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can handle that. But using, yeah, letting God be your filter for what is good and true and right. Um, Another thing is, we gotta quit pretending to be better than we are. Mm -hmm. so we own up to our mistakes and our sin we don't take advantage of grace as a way to sin more but we accept it knowing the Lord gives his grace freely so acknowledging our sin is not about living in shame right? but it's about oh I'm convicted okay Lord forgive me and knowing that he does you know? and resting in that and moving forward but we don't get to skip the part where we confess our sin and where we acknowledge it So yeah, we quit pretending, we own up to our sin, we confess those to God, and often to people. Um, We reflect God's goodness to people the best we can, um, especially in our sin. Oh yeah, that's this verse. Go to the next one? Yeah, I remember where it went. Um, So 2 Corinthians 12 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. We don't have to pretend to be good, because it's in our weakness that God is more powerful. Um, Yeah. And then, finally, from this passage, um, Jesus says... Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. In this age and the age to come, Jesus promises us a reward for our surrendering to him. So, maybe he won't give you exactly what you think you want now. Uh, Maybe he won't give you... I don't know, I don't know what people want. <laughs> um, maybe he won't give you a ton of riches, or um, maybe the current spouse that you're picturing is like, this would be perfect for me." you know like maybe he won't give you those things. And even you'll lose things as you follow God. You'll lose friendships and money and um, even safety sometimes. but not only do we gain a deep, abiding relationship with God, He will often give us earthly blessings. Um, this isn't, like, a hard promise. Like, okay, if you follow me for 20 years, I'll give you the key to the magical door. I don't know. But, like, I'll give you $20,000. Like, that's not really how it works, right? Um, But he does take care of us. Whatever we actually need, whatever is actually good and beneficial for us. But I think what's cool is... um, our priorities change. So the things that you want now, you may not want in 10 years. Um, and you may realize, like, actually, that was really not going to be helpful for me in the first place. And so it's not that God didn't give it to you out of spite. It's that he was protecting you from that because he's good. <laughs> How many times have I said good in the sermon? <laughs> um, yeah, so it may not be what we first envisioned, but as God transforms our hearts, it becomes what we really need and what we really want. Maybe it's deep community and a sense of being known. Maybe a new family. Um, maybe stability and something actually reliable, as only God can be. Um, maybe yeah. Again, maybe material blessings and security. That's not out of the question. Um, but yeah, just because the Lord is going to give us, it's going to give us, you know, eternal reward and reward here doesn't mean that that process is suddenly easy, right? He doesn't take away, um, He doesn't necessarily take away pain and hard things. Um, but again, He's with us in that. Um, so my prayer for all of us is that we would learn to measure using God's goodness and pursue the things He lays out for us. Yeah. So um, I just I just hope that you guys will I think first begin to Use God as your um, filter for your thoughts and emotions and let Him tell you what's good and listen to His voice and especially not the world's because it just gets its hard to discern. Um, but yeah, hope that you pursue His goodness. And the band can come on up.